What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with my co-counsel today, Leo. Driving all the way from New Jersey down to Alabama. (laughs) Oh, yes. We are here to celebrate a movie that makes me feel quite old because (laughs) my cousin Vinny is 30, 30 years old, and we are going to look at... uh, the movie as a whole pretty much break everything down like we usually do. But yeah, man, I just I just got to say, man, I love this movie. But 30 years, man, 30? Do, you not, do you not feel old, dude? And it's funny because like watching it, I'm like, oh, this movie looks like it looks it like visually just because of technology. It looks dated. And I'm like, oh, this is an older movie. And I'm like, it's not that old. It's just five years older than like we're six years older than us. <laughs> It's crazy. Like I looked at some of the movies we're covering this year, and then when the fact that Batman Returns is thirty years old this year is like what? Yeah. Um. But yeah, we're definitely gonna dive into the movie a little later. But let's get into some of the news of the week. I only have three things because I want to concentrate on two. The mm-hmm. other one is more because I know we've been friends for twenty plus years. I know how big of a Tom Brady fan you are. <laughs> <laughs> So there is no way that I could not talk about this on here. So uh, I appreciate you, Tom so Brady. Much, bro. Listen, man, like <laughs> give credit where credit is due. If this is not like a goat move as your first project after you retire, I don't know what is. So Tom Brady is set to star in a comedy with Academy Award winner, winner Rio Moreno, Academy Award winner Jane Fonda. Academy Award winner Sally Field and I think Lily Tomlin won an Oscar too in a comedy. Why well, confirm the Lily Tomlin stuff? What are your thoughts about the Goat's next move? And, and isn't it like, isn't he like producing it? He's or also producing it? it. Yes, he is also producing it. Like this is like the. Uh, it's funny because Kobe, Kobe's retirement move was legit, right? The dude retired and won an Oscar. Um, but like he did it through an animated feature. He went in through a category that was a little smaller, but. Yo, Brady is like he's just doing like the perfect. I'm retiring. I'm the I'm the, I'm the technically greatest quarterback of all time. No, he uh, is. Let, come on. <laughs> and like, damn, damn. I gotta say, man. I gotta say, it, it's freaking. It's a really, really good goat move. Yeah, I thought so too. I was like, that just like Jordan in 2001 is like, I'm gonna just make a movie with like. Top tier Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and like one as the first thing I'm going to do after retiring. This is like pretty awesome, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this movie is going to be any good, though, but it's still like. It's funny. I I see this being like like, like any cinephile move. Like, it's like, why not? Let me just do it. I I can do it. Let me just do it. (laughs) Like, I joke with Jenny when I saw this. I'm like, I'm going to give it a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes just because, like, of the baller move this was this is like awesome but uh yeah so it's gonna be a road trip comedy i believe and no word on release date i think it's it's about it's about like a a fan on their way to like the atlanta game i think or something like that something along those lines but yeah cast is pretty interesting that just makes you more 
intrigued as to exactly what this is. So yeah, I'm I'm actually fully on board with this. Um and that's it for the fun news. Um so I I don't know how deep I'm going to get into this, but the Academy has done it again. Ugh. So on Tuesday, it was announced that this year's Academy Awards will have eight categories including documentary short, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, animated short, live action short to be and sound will be pre-recorded prior to the live telecast and edited in to the live telecast. The irony that you are putting film editing here and you are literally editing it into the show is quite the irony. I yep. all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, all right, I'm going to start with this. I think this is fucking stupid. I think this is one of the this isn't the stupidest thing that they've done. No, because which is sad. It's, because this should be. This should be the stupidest thing they've done. <laughs> because they've already tried this before a few years ago. Yeah. Now, I do I'm I'm I don't like playing devil's advocate too much, but I do think we have to look at other big award shows that already do this. The Grammys do it. The Grammys I think only give out ten awards of like forty on the live telecast. The Emmys do it. But this is this is a little bit different for me because there are options where let's just use the short for example. Listen, like let's call it what it is. For me, a specific like I watch the shorts when they're nominated, and mm-hmm. I think they should all be rewarded as you know. I'm not saying give it to the award, but there is the governor's ball that you can move these awards to. You're still gonna highlight them. They're still gonna get up there and make a speech, and they're still gonna do it in front of a live a, like an audience. The what they're doing here, it just does. I think it's a slap of the face of all these creators. That's one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look at the aspects. Two, the two that stood out to me the most was editing and score. Let's just look at like Steven Spielberg's E.T., Steven Spielberg's Jaws, and George yep. Lucas's Star Wars. Yep. Let's just say John Williams did not write any score for that film, and score was not even... A thought. Mm-hmm. And we had to deal with some generic 70s music. Does the movie change its perception and its icon iconic status? Yes, it Absolutely. does. Absolutely. I am a big fan of scores. I listen to them on the regular. This one hurt the most for me because of a few things. One, it music is one of the most important aspects of filmmaking. Sometimes a score elevates a movie from very good to iconic status. I think a masterpiece... Dessert. Every aspect of the film works in the mas- in a masterpiece. I can talk about because when, by the time this podcast releases, the Batman embargo will lift. And I'm not going to get into detail because we're going to break it down completely next week. But I will say this is Giacchino's best score, and it elevates the movie so much. And this is someone that scored up. This is someone that has scored all the Spider-Man movies, all the Pixar movies. He'd scored mm-hmm. a sc- Star Wars. And for me to say that this is probably his best score since Up... That is really saying how good That's and important. Yeah. And like you're going to say, nah, you know, if we nominate you next year, you're not even going to be able to be seen by more casuals that don't know who you are. I know who he is. You know who he is. But yeah. I I'm very annoyed by this. And looking at who may be winning original score, Hans Zimmer, who literally is on a war- world tour right now. So people know who he is. And you're going to take his moment off really pisses me off um he hasn't won an oscar since 94 i think he's gonna win the oscar for dune and this is 
such a disrespect to him and everyone else in these categories that, yeah, I, I hate this. I think this is awful, and there is a lot of disdain towards the Academy right now for this decision. Uh, Leo, as someone, I mean, you, I, I can consider you a, a great blend of cinephile and more like casual. Like, yeah. I do, I think you're like a perfect hybrid because you take it serious, but you can also have a great time. Like, we talk, we're going to talk about some rom coms in a little bit on what we watch. Like, we can have a good time with that. So, you're, you're actually a perfect barometer about what you think about this. So, I'll leave it to you there. Dude, it's just, it, it, so yeah, th- thank you for that. So, like, I, I, it's just not cool. Like, I, I, I guess. So many hardworking people, and I get it, right? I, I understand the fact that the Oscars can have notoriously always run long. But, like, there's – it's like if the problem is simply that, there's other things that you should consider removing before you remove honoring people's hard work in this industry. Like, it's, and it's funny you mentioned, like, the whole Hans Zimmer thing. If this happened on a year where John Williams was about to win an Oscar – like do you like that's that maybe that would show people like the gravitas of composers in this industry. Like you're talking about some of the most iconic theme songs, iconic scores in cinema. Like these people are just as responsible for a film's like mood and tone as a director can be sometimes. Um, I remember one like this is like I'm not a huge fan of movies having to deal with possession. And I remember um, wanting to revisit the movie The Exorcist. And it was much less scary without music. <laughs> yeah, very much. And like it's just honestly just just on a, on a hard work type of thing. I don't think that this is the right approach. I get it. I know that this award show like no no one's really tuning in to see who won the documentary short. Well, at least thousands of people aren't tuning in to hear who won best documentary short, but there are still hundreds of people tuning in to see that. There are still families and supporting staffs of like people that were working on these films, working on these projects. Um I honestly like I think I told you off the line, get rid of the hosts, bro. Get rid of those little stupid like skits and like making fun of the people on like the actual like the, the like the actual audience. Like there's other things that can like be removed first rather than these actual awards. Yeah, I agree. I have a barometer of like an example of you mentioned like the length. I'm glad you brought that up. So I think I we've all had the Spider-Man discussion as to whether or not it should have got a best picture and I'm not going to get in open up the can of worms again. But if if the award show brings intrigue, people are going to watch. I'm going to bring up 1997 for an example or uh, the 70th Academy Awards based on the year of 1997 where Titanic won best picture. Okay. One of the longest Oscar shows ever was 3 hours and 47 minutes. The rating was 57.25 million. Jeez. So people do, if they are intrigued, they will watch. However, it is 2022. There are other options. And I think award shows for anyone, not just the Oscars, like the Grammys, the, you know, uh, the Emmys. I think that's just more on the niche now, more than you'll get a, a barometer of like a, a giant amount of casual watchers i think you still will get it but i think they need to turn this into the way they turn the super bowl start the show earlier start to show like around six o'clock love that and make it an event have new trailers 
premiere during the during the um uh during the Oscars. I remember two years ago, uh two or three years ago, like twenty nine yeah, twenty nineteen, we got the first teaser to the Irishman during the Oscars. Last year we got the first teaser to West Side Story. Like make that a thing. Like the upcoming Oscar movies. Make oh, that make that into a thing. Dope. You ha- you do that for the Super Bowl. You have all these new trailers. Why not yeah. do it for the Oscars? Also, you make it earlier you can go four hours. The Super Bowl goes from six thirty six ish. I'm not yeah. counting the pre-show. I'm counting literally when like the telecast starts at six o'clock, runs to about ten o'clock. So you 10 got o'clock. four yeah. hours there, and the Super Bowl never goes even at this point. It never goes under like a thirty, thirty million rating. So there is ways to fix this. I don't understand why they're the the Academy continues to try to cater to people that don't give a shit. That Spider Man is not nominated for Best yeah. Picture is nominated like, for Best. But I Picture. love the call out that you made. Like I'm more on like the casual side, right? And it's true. I love more like of the like the silly fun movies that are not really good. <laughs> and um, and like yeah, I mean, look, my, my, I growing up, my mom always wanted to watch the award shows, but more more than anything, she cared about the red carpet because she didn't watch many of the movies that were nominated. Um. But and like it, it and yeah, it's fun and that's cool and all. But like, there are people that generally want to see these films and do want to challenge themselves with these different creators. And like, it's it's unfair to those people. I feel like it does feel, Dave, like it's like the Academy is trying to solve an issue for the wrong population of people. Yep, that is it. It is perfect example is like you want to sit at the cool kids table in high school but you're doing everything um to do to get at that cool kids table when you already have a giant fan base that's like hey what about us we're we're still here you know don't forget about us so that's where i am at i don't think they're gonna change this i mean we have about three and a half four weeks left before the oscars um I don't think this is changing. So, well, I guess you know. So, the best we can do is let's hope the ratings tank, so that then they'll be like, "Well, there you go. You see, not even your special little trick of getting rid of of awards and making the show shorter is gonna make people watch it." You know what's crazy? There is another way, a simpler way to fix this. If you don't want to completely change the outline of the show, why don't you just add like best cast on some ensemble stunt ensemble that way you'll get stuff like spider-man there and you'll get stuff like especially cast ensemble you can I've always wondered that i know that's like a sag specific thing that i've seen i've never i've always wondered why they don't have that type of award for for the academy it's weird because critics groups. i'm a part of two critics groups and um i'll be voting for new york at first time this year but i know for a fact that my leha critics group we have a cast ensemble award I mean, it's it's right there for the picking, you know. Like yeah, it, it's such an easy thing to do, and that way, yo, you get Spider Man nominated for cast ensemble, you get Zendaya there, you get Tom Holland there, you get stars there. Like that may attract that specific demo that you're looking for, while not destroying what myself and more hardcore cinephiles go there for. You know, I'll, I'll always love the Oscars. It's not going to I'm not going to change my mind in terms of like I'm never going to like love you the same again type of thing. <laughs> I love the Oscars. It's is what it is, but at this point in time I'm very pissed off. So I mean, like, I love the Oscars too, right? I love the mystique around it. I love I love rewarding great performances. I also don't want to get into like this like like you know like you, you and I grew up in a generation where like this 
we quickly turned into this whole like participation trophy for everything. Yes, I and like, it. look, I am am the MCU's biggest fan, right? You can say that I'm a stand for it. I'm a mark for it. I am all in on anything Feige wants to do. But No Way Home is not an Oscar contender, and it's the, the the solution shouldn't be, hey, let's give those people like what they're asking for. No, like we need to challenge viewers to watch these different projects and see what a true Oscar performance is and then create a type of hybrid film that can live in both those worlds. I truly hope the movie that you've just watched. Oh, you literally. <laughs> All right. So I, I can talk a little bit more. I am going to say this. If this movie, we're talking about the Batman, if this movie has a great Rotten Tomato score, which at this point I've spoken to people that love it. I've spoken to some folks that are more middle of it. But if this movie is within like an 85 to 95 RT score and it kills it in the box office with the performances in the movie, with the production of the movie, with the score of the movie, with the cinematography, there is no way they're not getting this in next year. They will make it a point to get this in next year. I to the point that I'm doing my year end predictions. I mean year in advance prediction. It's in right now. Until you know, if, once the RT score comes out, and then I'll kind of like if I have to tweak it a little bit. But right now I have it in because after all this backlash this year, I think they will do whatever they can to get the Batman in next year. And you know what? And it's like, and it, and it, but the movie feels like it should be in this conversation. It it's not one of those movies that was made. I mean, granted, everyone wants to make billions of dollars at the box office, but like, it wasn't like Endgame. It wasn't Infinity War. It wasn't No Way Home. Like, you're not trying to pull all these different like tricks and and gimmicks to raise the box office stakes. Like, it's gonna make a bank load of money. Let me tell um, you let me tell you this. I can say with confidence that Batman is nothing we have seen that the MCU has done. In no. terms of this is it's not and no disrespect, we love Marvel here. Don't this is a loving Marvel loving podcast. It's not a cookie cutter type of movie. It's not. Um I the fact that like it's three hours long and it's the first entry in a trilogy kind of shows that it's very unique in it and it's it's existence. more. It's, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Like it's more like what we got used to with Nolan, right? I am going to say that this movie is even more grounded in reality than Nolan's were, and that is saying something. That's saying a lot. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah. But yeah, I, I, I it just sucks. Look, I, I, I get the, the people talking about like, oh, let's make up like this this like top movie or ensemble cast even, right? And that's like, I just don't want to like. I just don't want to dilute what we have. I think the awards are cool. I just think if the, the we're just trying to get the wrong people to watch this award show. Yeah, like, I, I agree 1 million percent on that. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I'll be there live on the on <laughs> in March to root on whoever I want to win these awards. And you'll find out that and next month. Um, all right, cool. And then the last bit of news tonight of the SAG Awards. Um, I cannot wait to just hear the I am an actor thing because that is just hilarious to me every single year. I can't uh, wait to see everyone gets just trash. Tra- trash. <laughs> um, but I already 
release my predictions, but I'm going to do some here with Leo because this is always fun to see how stupid we are next week when we come back with how right or wrong we are. But I'm actually this. This is literally a popularity contest. So unlike like who's the best performance, this is who your friends think is the best performance. Technically, yeah, you are right. And I think with BAFTA doing what they did, I think Mm -hmm. this is much more important this year than it has been in a while. But before we get into the film ones, there are. A few fem- a few TV ones that I yes, and I know Leo's, Leo's the TV guy, so I'm I'm gonna love doing this with you here. So outstanding performers by a stunt ensemble in a comedy or drama series: Cobra Kai, The Ooh. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Mare of Easton, Meatstown, and Squid Game. Oh, but it's stunt, right? Yeah, I'm going with Squid Game. Ooh, Squid Game is legit. It's hmm, I'm torn between Squid Game and Cobra Kai. That's where literally the same, my same two. Squid Game. Because, I mean, we're Marvel fans here, but the, I don't think Loki, oh, I don't know. They both, Loki and, and Winter Soldier did have some. They both had cool fight scenes, yeah. I'm going to go with. I mean, you know, that that Squid Game hype was real, though. I when, think... when, when, do the, when do the ballots go out for them to vote? What do you mean? Oh, so you know when like the the SAG the SAG members all get like the ballots in the mail, they get to vote for who they want to win. Depending oh, on when these ballots got sent out to everybody. Oh, I got. I don't remember. I wrote it in an article this weekend. I can't remember the exact. You know date. what? I, I'm I'm gonna go with you. I'll go Squid Game. Yeah, because it's either gonna be. I think it's Squid Game or Cobra Kai. I yeah. it, it, unless they decide. Yeah, let's just give Marvel some love. Um, same bo- same with you. I'm same with you. Yep. All right. So I'm gonna leave the ensembles to to the end. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a TV movie or limited series. You may have to help me here. Um, Murray Bartlett for The White Lotus. Oscar Isaac for Scenes from a Marriage. Michael Keaton, Dope Sick. Ewan McGregor, Halston. Evan Peters, Mayor of Easttown. Uh, because it's Michael Keaton, I'm just going to choose Michael Keaton. No, Keaton's performance is freaking awesome okay, in good. Dope Sick. Yeah, great pick. Good pick. So, so You're going with that too? Yeah. Well, right. granted, I, I haven't seen everyone on that list, but I, I loved I loved Keaton's performance as it is. I really liked you, McGregor, uh, McGregor and Halston, but Halston? this came out such a long time ago, Halston. Mm. So, uh, all right. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a television movie or limited series. Can we just say Kate Winslet and move on? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mayor of Easttown, right? Yes. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Oh. Oh, yeah, although that this is a comedy one or no, no, this drama? is a, a no television movie or limited series. Yeah, I think in the Amer- Gene Smart is in this too, right? Yeah, but she was a supporting. I think this. Yeah, no, no, I'll give it to you. I think the only maybe well, dark, dark, a dark horse in here might be uh, Quayle, uh in Made. I've never seen Made. Is it good? I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen. I, I keep getting it like recommended and stuff, but like she's a she's like she's like a young a young performer that's like someone to keep an eye on but yeah I, i'll go winslet winslet yeah here here comes the category that's gonna actually no it's not gonna break my 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 head this outstanding performance by a male actor in a drama series brian cox succession kieran culkin succession jeremy strong succession <laughs> um <laughs> you mean the annual succession award <laughs> yes billy crudup the morning show and lee jong jay from squid game um I would love Billy Crudup to get this I just don't. to one because you hate the show so much. I but I, his character on the show is my favorite character. He's on the, the show. only good thing on this show, my friend. He's so good. He's lo- uh, oh, wait. Man. Who who would you go for the the annual Succession Award? Who All do right. you think is the most Succession of the Succession? I think the best this season was Kieran. Yes, but I agree. I think Kieran's gonna win the Emmy. 
I wonder if Lee Zhang Zhai wins for Squid Game because so that, I, they, because I, they cancel I, each other out. So I feel that he won't get it for actor because they're going to get it for ensemble. And Jeremy Strong is going to get it for I drama. No, for I have no problems there. I mean, I I would say Brian Cox had the weakest season out of the three boys from Succession yeah. this season. I mean, and then he still he still was great. So I'm actually would be okay because I actually do like Billy Billy Crudup on the show. I actually would be okay if um if he wins. Um, and here's where my head's gonna explode. <laughs> Outstanding performance by a female actor in a drama series: Jennifer Aniston, Jung, <laughs> Jung Oh Jun from Squid Game, Elizabeth Moss, The Handmaid's Tale, Sarah Snook, Succession, Reese Witherspoon from The Morning Show. Anyone but those I mean, two. I think Jennifer Aniston is gonna win. To be completely so it's funny, honest with I you, think, I think the I freaking think the SAG loves freaking them Elizabeth Moss. I think they freaking <sighs> love her. I, I don't, think she might get it for Handmaid's. I don't watch Handmaid's Tale, but I hope you're right because if I have to hear Jennifer Aniston be awarded for something good about the morning show, I'm gonna explode because she already got the she already got the SAG for the first season. So mm. I, I, oh my God, this show's so bad. I think I'm gonna go with Elizabeth Moss on this. I, personally, look, I, I do watch the show. I'm all caught up. I, the storyline is freaking, freaking awesome. Um, I, there's, there's some decisions made by the actual filming of it where they do a lot of close-ups on her that I, it's just a little too much. <laughs> but her acting is amazing. I, yeah, I, for some reason, I feel, I feel SAG loves her. I feel like they, they all love Elizabeth Moss ever since like. Mad Men and stuff, so I'm going with her. Hey, go for it. I will, I hope it's it's her, not any of the uh, morning show ladies. Um, outstanding performance by a male actor in a comedy series. Michael Douglas, The Kaminsky Method. Shout out to Jenny because she may be the only one that watches the show. Um, Brett Goldstein, <laughs> Ted Lasso, Steve Martin, Only Murders in the Building, Born Shirt, Only Murders in the Building, and Jason <sighs> Sudeikis, Ted Lasso. Ooh, so if Lasso's this is a, trend this is a continues, it should be Lasso. Um, I, I would love Martin or Short to get I it, I think... All right, so I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. Season two, I feel Brett Goldstein had a better season than Jason Sudeikis, but Brett is still supporting, not lead. Not and lead, they combine both here. I'm gonna go with Sudeikis, but if it's not Sudeikis, I'm going with Steve Martin. Right? I feel like so. Again, this is all a matter of when these when these ballots went out. What what high was going on at the time? The freaking the only murders in the building high was real because that yeah. took me by surprise on how good it was. I actually, and I will say, like for someone that loves both shows, Only Murders and Ted. I think Steve Martin had a if if it's between Jason and Steve, I think Steve had a better season than Jason season two. Like Jason season one, like forget it. It's it's a wrap. Um so yeah, oh, yeah that... he was they were sweeping everything. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. that that's the only thing is that if, if the if that type of like sentiment continues, then yeah, the Ted Lasso duo should be the winners here. Um hmm, I think uh, so you're 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 saying it's either gonna be Brett or Martin? No, I think it's gonna be Jason or Martin because the show Jason is called Ted Lasso. Then yeah, then I probably then you know what I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Martin. Martin, yeah, I mean yeah. I would be I love you know I love both so I'd be fine with so either good. or so good. And now the last before we get to the ensembles, outstanding performance by a female actor in a comedy series: Elle Fanning, The Great, oh, so Sandra O, oh, The Chair, Jean Smart, Hacks, Juno Temple, Ted Lasso, Hannah Waddingham, Ted Lasso. Juno Temple is the love of my life that I that 
she is so great on that show. I love her to death on that love show. Love of my life, not named Jennifer. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hannah Waddingham, also the love of my life, not named Jennifer. Um, I love them both on the show. They are so great. Uh, but Gene Smart's winning this. Yeah, I was going to say. Gonna <laughs> yeah, I, I literally just like, I should have just done the Kate Winslet thing. Is anyone else but Kate Winslet? But I just <laughs> want to give some love to Dude. Juno and Hannah. If you did get a chance to watch Hacks, really funny, super smart um, comedy. I was very, very taken aback by it. And G Smart is ridiculously yeah, Jenny, awesome. So Jenny actually did watch it, and she did say the same thing you said. She really likes it, too. Um, all right. And then the last two awards, Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Drama Series, The Handmaid's Tale, Morning Show, Squid Game, Succession, Yellowstone. Yellowstone! Let's go! Bro, uh, let's go. <laughs> there should be nothing else for the next year. All the series on this, like, multiverse should be nominated. And now, let's just call it what it is, Squid Game's winning. Yeah. Yeah. And I that's think... what I think is going to happen. I think that they have to reward how much of a freaking, like, storm came through this, like, everywhere just when this show came on. And hopefully this makes Jenny finally see the show because she still has not seen it. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been trying to get her to watch this. Because I, 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 it's very rewatchable. I, I'll watch it again, so... I'm That's trying so to convince cool. her to watch it, but yeah, I'm I'm going with Squid Game, and then outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series: The Great Hacks, Kaminsky Method, Only Murders, and Ted Lasso. Uh, it's either Ted Lasso or Only Murders, I think. Yeah, yeah, totally um, agree. Totally. And agree. now to the film side, the easy side: uh, outstanding performance by a stunt ensemble in a motion picture: Black Widow, Dune, The Matrix Resurrection, No Time to Die, Shang Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, it, I'm going with Dune. Uh, it's either Dune or No Time to Die, I think. Oh, interesting. For yeah. stunt, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big oh, time. Cool. Um, it's not Black Widow. I'll say that. So it's funny. I was going to go Shang-Chi on this one. Uh, that would be fine, too. The fight choreography is fantastic in that movie. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with one of those two. Supporting actress, uh, Ariana DeBose. That's it. We can just move on. Uh, uh, you, and you've been you've been saying that since, since you saw that. Yep. So that's like, yeah. This is the this is one of the ones I've been proud of this season. It looks like it's going to be a clean sweep. Uh, supporting actor, uh, Ben Affleck, Tender Bar, Bradley Cooper, Licorice Pizza, Troy Kotzer, Goda, Jared Leto, Hasaguchi, Cody Smith, McPhee, The Power of the Dog. Uh, please let it be Troy Kotzer. Please, 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 please. Oh, please let it be Troy Kotzer so he can yeah. win the Oscar. And again, and again, this is again based on how the SAG Award chooses their winners. I think this is the perfect absolutely quintessential sag winner here yes it and should be troy by the way better performance and i like it the power is. of the dog a lot but no troy kotzer is the heart of that movie i totally yeah. totally yes um so i'm gonna leave actress for last outstanding performance by a male in a leading role javier barden benedict Cumberbatch, under andrew garfield will smith denzel washington um will smith so you think smith i'm going with garfield on this uh, because he's not going to get the Oscar. That's going to go to Will. The only reason I went with Will here and not Garfield is because Will also has an ensemble nom. Oh, okay, okay. It's uh, but no, I mean I think Garfield's better than Smith. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with Will just sweeping at this point. Uh, outstanding performance by an actress in leading role. <laughs> oof, oof. <sighs> we know who's missing. Who the glaring omission on this? Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Lady Gaga, House Gucci, Jennifer Hudson, Respect, Nicole Kidman, Being Ricardo's, uh, No Kristen Stewart. Um, yeah. They I got. Mean, look, if, they, if you if you want Jordan to win another championship, fine, he'll win it. But if you also want him to make it easier, just take away the next next closest competition to it. So, oh man, I didn't think too hard, despite how difficult this has been for people. I'm gonna go with Kidman. Yeah. Um, 
I just feel the second nomination for the being the Ricardos is what is going to put me over because of the fact that um none of the other ones have a co-nomination going with it except Gaga who has ensemble. Mm. Um but yeah, I'm going with Nicole Kidman and it, if I will say this, if Jessica Chastain beats her or Olivia Coleman beats Kidman, I am picking Kristen Stewart to win the Oscar. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense cuz it's splitting the vote kind of like there's It's a complete yeah. it's a complete that's it. You literally I think that will give you the okay to pick Kristen Stewart to win the Oscar because that means it's a shit show and no one knows what's going to happen. So, if Kidman wins, I think it's over. I think Kidman winning the Oscar, and if she doesn't win, I am going to pick Kristen Stewart to win the Oscar. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. gotcha. And then uh, which is the best performance of the year, so I would be fine with that. And I love Kidman and Ricardo's but Stewart was like end all be yes. all for me. And then finally, ensemble, we have Belfast Coda, Don't Look Up, House of Gucci, King Richard. I have Coda winning ensemble. Uh, but but be on the lookout for be on the lookout for Belfast and don't look up. I mean the don't just based on the don't look up cast is freaking stacked. That's, so I wouldn't be surprised. So House of Gucci stack is still pretty much stacked too. Yeah, but this is, reminds me of Parasite. When Parasite started picking up legs, it's because mm. they won ensemble. And right now, I still. I have Power of the Dog winning picture right now, but I just fe- I still feel this is not a movie that wins Best Picture. Like gotcha. I like I totally feel like we're, we we may be on the verge of a split with someone else taking picture and Jane winning director. But uh, yeah, we'll find out, and then that'll be sad. We'll find out how how wrong or right we are in a week. <laughs> um, now let's just get before we get into my cousin Vinny. Let's get into finish up with what we watched this week. I saw um. Two rom-coms, Leo, and I think I'm rom-commed out for the rest of the year. My head hurts. Lord, what did what kind of a bet did you lose? <laughs> I actually I saw the good reviews and I was like curious, or not the good reviews, the better reviews than expected for one of them, and the good reviews for the other. So I saw I Want You Back with Jenny Slate. Oh, um, okay, okay, it was cute. I liked it. Um, that's one with Charlie Day, right? Yeah, with Charlie Day. They're really funny in it. I, I, their chemistry is really solid. And I saw Marry Me. <laughs> That's your own fault. You, why'd you do it? That's not. Dude, that's... No, it was good. It was good. No I lie. And I was good. Like, ask it. Ask Jenny. Owen I, Wilson and Jennifer Lopez. I honestly, with you know how I feel about rom coms. <laughs> and you know how I hate the unbelievability of rom coms. Mind you, I watch comic book movies. But. <laughs> legit. Legit was. It was actually pretty entertaining. I'm saying this in the lowest voice possible because I'm ashamed, but um, I really enjoyed it, and I hate that I enjoyed it as much as I did. I think you've actually made love it, not even like it, because I like it. I think you and our boy Kevin will love, love, wow. love, love, marry me. <laughs> yep. I I saw this, and as soon as I f- were watching, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like cat- catnip for, for Leo and Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I... Y- as much as it shocked me that I actually liked it, it may shock you guys that you actually will love it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. My brain hurt from watching those two. I'm done with rom-coms for the year. So um, unless something like yeah, comes no out more. of nowhere. Uh, we give, me, give me dramas. Give me dramas and sadness. Go. Well, if you want sadness, I saw We Don't Talk About Cosby, the Bill Cosby documentary. Yeah, you did see that. How'd that go? I was depressed by the end of it. Um, it does a lot of what I loved about the OJ doc. That it didn't vilify him from the start. It let the facts tell the story and let mm-hmm. yourself come up to the vilification of, if that is a word, of Cosby. 
Uh, it's excellent. I highly, highly recommend it because it it does touch on the good stuff he did for the industry. Like he brought in the first black stuntman. He pretty much brought uh, African Americans to the stunt in the stunt industry in film. Before Cosby, you used to have white men uh, in blackface as stuntmen oh, for black people. Wow. Yeah. So Cosby did bring that, but he also did what he did, which is absolutely yeah. tragic. He is a terrible person and awful human being. Uh, and it's, but it is a very good documentary and it does, it's five parts and it does kind of bring to light a lot of these events. Um, Euphoria. Euphoria. That, that musical, bro. <laughs> I, I've gone on record like, off the line with the guys that and shout out to adrian she's the one that kind of pushed me to watch it i'm, I'm digging the show i don't think i unless jenny wants to watch it i don't think i'm ever gonna re, you know rewatch it or anything like that but I, I am enjoying it um i was watching this week's episode full disclosure it was like monday morning or no nah, i saw it tuesday morning i'm watching it very good episode i really don't like the overly symbol the episodes filled with symbolism but i actually really dug this one so i'm watching and I'm like, okay, credits are rolling. Let me go feed. Let me go feed Bruce. So I'm literally so Leo knows my house. So in my living room and and my dining room are pretty close to each other. So um, credits are about to roll, and I walk to the kitchen, and then I start hearing a theme, and I'm like, what the no? Did this switch to something else? I'm like, what the fuck is? I walk back to the to the living room. And I'm like, no, the Cannibal Holocaust theme is playing at the credits of Euphoria. What the fuck? So it got me in the mood to listen to it. And then I go to, I listen to a score playlist on Apple Music. And the number one trending song was the Cannibal Holocaust yeah. theme. And then I was like, okay, so I'm not the only one that realized that. And then there were articles written that the movie has become uh, a, one of the most searched movies on the internet this past week. Yo, that's, I never would have thought that. <laughs> like, out of all the movies to get like a renaissance because of euphoria shout wow. out if anyone that's like gen z do not watch cannibal holocaust i don't do it to yourself please don't do it to yourself um i saw uncharted which i have a full review up uh and you know it's a video game movie nothing nothing crazy there texas chainsaw massacre which is awful um i saw the godfather on the big screen uh Oof. for the third time for the 50th anniversary on a four four case uh wow. four, new 4k oh. transfer uh, it's the greatest it's it's the greatest like that in part two the two greatest movies ever made i I just don't understand how anyone can see this and not think those are the two best movies ever made and i saw the batman which um just that little movie yeah yeah. listen i've been holding these thoughts for two weeks i saw the batman on february 15th so i saw it a while ago already um yeah, I'm very curious of what other people think, but I loved it. I think the Riddler, Paul Dano's performance is the second best villain in the history of any Batman movie. Oh, so good. Wow. Um, and, it, and good, good, good. He he should. <laughs> I would say Giacchino's score is the second best Batman film score of all time, next to Elfman's Batman 89 theme, um, score. Um, Pattinson's up there, man. Pattinson. I'm, and we're going to get into full detail next week, so I don't really want to go OD, but... Pattinson's elite Batman, man. I can't wait for people that said he wasn't. It's the Ledger thing all over again. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all these people that have no idea how good of an actor he is are gonna eat crow so hard in the next week. Unless Rotten Tomatoes, the other critics are like, "Fuck, fuck Robert Pattinson," but I, I don't see it happening. Uh, but yeah, back to the Batman. Uh, more detail to come next week when we talk about it. But yeah, Leah, what about you? Do you have anything to highlight? Um, yes. So, um, I ended up watching Archive 81, 
I yes. know that's something that you watched on Netflix. You hyped it a lot. Um, and yeah, watched it. Freaking awesome series. Um, very, uh, I definitely, the lead character is a little annoying. <laughs> um, but overall, the series is really cool. Looking forward to season two. Absolutely. Um, I ended up going on a little bit of like, it's weird. I, I heard people recommending Tinder Swindler. On yes! Yes! So yes! I ended up yes. watching Tinder Swindler and freaking blew my mind on this stuff. Can I, can I ask your opinion without sounding like a complete asshole? Please. So I think the girlfriend at the end is a badass. And I think the first one that got hustled after, because Jenny... I'm from a female perspective, Jenny and I were watching it, and she was like, I would have just, after the first time he asked for money, I would have just found that as a red flag and not kept sending money. Do you agree with that? I, yeah. So it's strange, bro, because like, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the documentary, and for anyone that doesn't know, it's this dude that was found women on, Swin, on, on Tinder, and then he contrived these crazy elaborate stories involving violence and, and like threats and he convinced the girls to send him not like like just 10 15 bucks like open up full credit card lines and like max them all out um and like it's it, because of how like because you remember he was sending them pictures of like the, the the bodyguard getting hurt i can see women being like well i can see anyone being like empathetic and like good oh point my gosh. good point because they, they were they were remember his enemies were after him Dave his enemies were after him. oh my god so the best part about the documentary like is the fact that I'm never gonna not use my enemies are after me for everything <laughs> everything is gonna be like man I got a podcast but my enemies man I got I, I, I my enemies are after me oh my god it was hilarious after a while They're after me yeah um and then because of tinder swindler then I went on to inventing Anna what is um, that? I I have it on my queue. So it's also on Netflix. And Inventing Anna has to do with this uh, real-life story of this girl that pretended to be a German heiress. And she infiltrated, like, New York City, like, culture. This girl was invited to all, like, the most upscale parties, was, all, like, rubbing elbows with all these, like, multimillionaires. But um, the lead is uh, Julia Garner from um, from Ozarks. Oh, she's the lead on that. Oh. She's the lead. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. I mean, Anna Anna Chomsky comes back <laughs> from uh, from My Girl, <laughs> and um, and yeah. So it's it's wild how this like in real life story, um, Anna Delvey was able to like infiltrate this society, and just like Tinder Swindler, she got people to give her tens of thousands if not millions of dollars for like projects and like organizations and it was wild it was simply just incredible to see how how some people can manipulate systems and and people uh but yeah inventing anna is like an eight part um dramatization of that real life uh story um then I watched Euphoria, and I mean, you, yeah, it's, that that was a really awesome episode. How do you think it ends, by the way, the season? Uh, you, next, oh no, ooh, so I, it's fun. Yeah, it's weird because I know that this season had a lot of rewrites. I think um, Ash is getting, it's gonna die. Ooh, because they they tease Fez on the floor. They tease Fez, yeah, yeah, but it's not gonna be Fez. I think it's gonna be Ash. So you know, you know, Fez was supposed to die after season one. 
Interesting. Wait, like but, he was—he was gonna die at the end of season one, or like right after? Uh, pretty much, they were—they found his character to be very like uh, expendable kind of thing. <laughs> Boy, um, they were wrong. Like, yeah, totally wrong. Oh, it's weird. I—I I originally, originally, I thought I think something's gotta rue. Something has to happen to rue. She's had. She's going through the ringer, man. Just let her be. Eventually, I mean, I think you might see this too. Eventually, I see Rue's sister going up down. Yep, really yep. Sad, I sad agree down. one million percent with you. You yeah. can't. You definitely see that coming. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but it's like Rue has to understand that that's what she's ultimately pushing here. Agreed. Um, I saw. It's funny. You just watched the greatest Batman content ever. And I am still trudging through the worst with Batwoman. You're still watching. Oh, my God. I didn't mention it, but I watched all the Batman movies, too, to get ready for, even though I had already seen it. But I just wanted to watch all the content. Man, those movies still kick ass. Love it. But, yeah. So, Leo, tell us about um, about Batwoman. So, Batwoman, um, now on Batwoman. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, they, they somehow found. Well, it's funny. They finally showed some footage of the joker not the new bastardized uh, weird version of the joker like their actual joker and he's dressed and sounds like more like the romero joker than any other joker <laughs> which i thought it was at least kind of cool but no it was stupid what they did was um i think i, I kind of mentioned this last last week um the origin of this new kid, this new Marcus, that's the new Joker, was that when as he was a little boy, he encountered the real Joker and that the real Joker used his um, hand buzzer on his head. And that caused this like extreme disassociative type of psychological issues where his empathy wasn't really there. So now this kid grew up to be like kind of like the pseudo Joker. Isn't that uh, similar? I mean, not to the T to like Batman Beyond. In a way, yeah. In a way, in a way, in a way, yeah. And then, and then now the the, the big thing in on the show is that they're trying to find a way because the buzzer still has one charge left. So we need to find the buzzer so that we can use it on Marcus because one charge will fix the last charge and turn him sane again. That um, sounds great. It's fantastic content. Yes, but I'm glad you got to watch good Batman stuff. I did. I, I did. <laughs> and um, the last thing I want to highlight, and this is just to be like, just to be sensitive and real, just to bring it back to realism for a little. Um, after everything started this week with uh, with Ukraine and with Russia, um, I did actually find a documentary back from like 20, 2014. No, the documentary I think was in twenty nineteen. Um, Winter on Fire. It was uh, it premiered at okay in twenty it actually premiered in the seventy second Venice International Film Festival. Okay, so it premiered at Venice. Got it. Yeah, um, and it has to deal it, it deals with like the the first time that you kind of get like the origin of where we are now with Russia and the Ukraine. You see Ukraine's like fight for freedom, fight for democracy. Um, highly recommend it. It's on Netflix for anyone that wants to to watch it. And honestly, after watching it, dude, it's it definitely put me into like a place where like I can see where like the Ukraine resolve is and how they're like able to put up this fight um, and, and, and withstand the onslaught from from Russia. But yeah. Winter on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom on Netflix was uh, the last highlight I wanted to mention. All right. That's a uh, that's a good one to end on. Um, so, yeah, that wraps up what we watched. That wraps up the news. Now let's travel to Alabama. 
And uh, <laughs> in our <laughs> in our 1964 metallic mint green Buick Skylark. Can there be two of them? <laughs> <laughs> this one has pause attraction, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so we are looking at the 30th anniversary of. I think it's been forgotten by. M- a lot of Gen Z, how good this movie is. I don't hear a lot of people talk about My Cousin Vinny. Um, so My Cousin Vinny, for anyone that is not aware, is a 1992 film directed by Jonathan Lynn and written by Dale Lawner. Movie stars Joe Pesci, Ralph Macchio, Marissa Tomei, Mitchell Whitfield, Lane Smith, Bruce McGill, and Fred Gwynn. In his final film appearance, who he passed away a few years, yeah. a few months after. And the movie uh, was released on March 13th, 1992, to an $11 million budget and gross $64.1 million. So I actually didn't see the movie till I was like 13, 14. So um, I actually, in my research, I didn't actually find any real production issues, which is awesome. Sometimes I like when there's very little regarding production because. You have some of these projects that have like an insane history. Um, but yeah, trophy room wise, the movie w- was nominated for an Academy Award, Best Supporting Actress for Marissa Tomei, and she won, which is now one of my favorite Oscar wins ever. Yeah, because it's not something they did during that era. So that's awesome that she won that. Uh, yeah, I think the movie as a whole is one of those things that I was talking to Leo off the line before we started just reviewing like what we're going to cover. And we're about to get into what's aged the best and worst. And I don't have any I don't have many what's aged the worst here. Right, Leo? No, no, no. There's not too much that age, age badly for me either. Like it, it's and it's, I love the fact that you called out how underrated the comedy is, because like even when we do like our comedy drafts or like our best comedies ever made type of thing like this movie is like one of those like silent sleeper picks that everyone kind of forgets and it's so solid i would even say it's one of the best courtroom films of all time so like it's funny and some of the stuff that i was reading online i, I was going to mention that too um yeah it's 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 used in, in class to show courtroom proceedings many many claim it's like one of the best when it comes to court proceeding movies. Oh yes, I have a I have a note about that when we get to our fun facts. But let's kick it off here with what has aged the best. Um, I'll kick it off here. Marissa Tomei's Oscar win I mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, when Vi- when Vinny first arrives to town and meets Judge Holler, that's pretty <laughs> hilarious. Um, what's aged the best? Accelerated six week law degrees. <laughs> I mean, that's what's up, and coinciding with the six-week law degree, Brooklyn Academy of Law. Brooklyn Academy of Law, have, yep. Have you looked it up? Does this place exist? I did not look it up, no. <laughs> I, do not be- I do not believe this exists, but when he's, when he, um, every time he's like, I went through an accelerated six-week law degree, and I'm like, I die. It's so, the, the, I think it's more on the delivery of Pesci there. It's so funny. Um. This is not so funny. Stores closing due to a flu. Yes. Yes. Um, Vinny's burgundy tuxedo. Oh. When he walks into that courtroom with that tuxedo on, I lose my mind. <laughs> um, Are you mocking me? <laughs> Vinny's opening statement. Everything this guy just said is bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Objection. <laughs> The name, except for 
<laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the name Mona Lisa Vito. Wow. One of the elite names in film. Uh, that entire scene with Marissa Tomei at the end, like the entire, uh, oh, yeah, the yeah, interrogate yeah. that I think that scene is a one or the Oscar. That is fantastic. Um, what was it? Because, uh, oh, just the line because we joked about it because, uh, both cars were made in metallic green. Does that mean <laughs> both cars were made by GM? And she's like, they were. I'm not going to do that accent. That's as bad. That's as, that's as good as I get. Uh, what about you, Leo? What do you have? Oh here? my gosh. So yeah, there's so much, so much, right? Um, I put uh, Ralph Macchio, I think aged. You like them? Like, well, here's the thing. It's, um, I mean, physically, like, he was like at a such a peak after Karate Kid, and then his career just kind of like went downhill. I never thought we would hear from him again. Thanks to Cobra Kai, people know who Ralph Macho is again. So like, okay, if you watch this, I'm like, hey, you remember that guy from Cobra Kai? He was in this movie too. Um, but no, in the movie, he's barely even in it. To be mm-hmm. honest, like he's like negligible. But luckily for him, he got involved with Cobra Kai, and now people know who he is again. He went from peak to maybe another category ah ah maybe um duh i put for uh driving behind trees if you remember when the movie first starts the 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 buick is caught between like this truck that's carrying timber and i'm like this came well before final destination <laughs> <laughs> so it's like oh yeah that that aged pretty well that scene itself um the music overall there's some good music in this movie um i agree the, not the score, but like some some the of the soundtrack. Really, yeah, soundtrack was pretty dope. Um, one thing I really loved was when Vinny's pulling into Alabama. Um, they're using hip hop music, and that's supposed to like let you know this guy's from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know what, that age well, because I think that's still one of those things that signifies New York City is still hip hop. Um, the fact that mona lisa's taking pictures of everything like even at like the diner to eat breakfast i'm like any millennial anyone that's gen z can mm, totally point. identify with that um <laughs> this the whole mini st- side story of them hunting for sleep when they keep changing hotels. my god that was hilarious the, Dude. i forgot about the owl yes oh my gosh and i love the i, I forgot about the ultimate ending to that whereas he finally gets rest when he's in, in the jail. middle of a prison <laughs> with rioting <laughs> that's too funny yeah i actually oh. did like that little side story a lot yeah yeah um um the fact that they're always wearing all black i think is age well because especially after like watching Shit's creek and how david's always wearing all black and that's just true. combinations it's like yep that never changes that's still pretty legit a little cute little and i don't know if like, I, i'm pretty sure they're not really related at all but when they're sleeping in the woods and Vinny first gets out of the car and he's slips and like he does like a full like he's like literally parallel to the ground and falls in the mud. I'm like, oh, that's like a little like a like a, a kind of like an omen of his time with Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And just a year, uh, two years apart. And the same yeah. year he released this, Home Alone two came out. I'll be honest with you, man. The, the fact that Home Alone came after this too, like it, Pesci was on a high around this time, so it was it, really tough to to place him as far as like peak or valley. He he just had a really good. You know what's wild? Him. What's wild about Pesci is that for Home Alone one, he had the same year that he dropped that he had Goodfellas. For Home Alone two, he had this. Jesus, man. Oh, and this is super. This is and this funny because I could say like if it was anyone else, any other time, this could be like the iconic Pesci role, and it's not. I think if we're looking at Pesci like 
performance-wise, I think this is my third favorite performance of his after Goodfellas and The Irishman. So good, man. I, I would put this number two. I think I like, I like. Oh, I mean, I love him in The Irishman. He was fantastic, but I think I like, I like, I like him slightly more in this. Um, and then the last thing I put that aged really, really well is honestly Mona Lisa as a car expert. Just like yes. having having that type of like content information, and even in the movie, no one's taking her seriously because she's a woman. But she comes guns a blazing, dude. It's like she comes into the game and just makes like six threes, and yep. just and leaves the game. That's how that's how good she is. It was so good. But yeah, that's what I put aged aged the best. All right, this may be a quick one, probably the quickest. What's aged the worst since we did the Godfather? Um, yeah. Police processing. Yeah, they pretty much like. Tell him he did it, and Machio. I mean, it's the stupidity of Machio to just say yes, yes, yes without knowing the details. But um, yeah, that age. I mean, and that now I'm just looking for straws here. Do owls really sound like that? <laughs> that was a, a that was that was aggressive, a very owl. aggressive. Like I I heard that I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and I gotta say, I'm sorry for all the. For all the folks out there that can't grow facial hair like Leo and myself, what the fuck is Ralph Macchio's mustache at the beginning oh, of that movie? Yeah, man. That is brutal. He's it the is, kid that puberty forgot, man. Like he goes from Daniel LaRusso to fat Daniel LaRusso to this whatever this mustache phase yeah, is. It's rough. <laughs> and that's all I got, honestly. <laughs> I got a couple actually. So, oh, great. Um, and honestly, it was like just paying attention to it on this rewatch. Like I had to like, oh, I didn't notice that. I never noticed that. Um, Stan and um and and him are both not wearing seatbelts as they're driving down to Alabama. So no seatbelts in the 1964 metallic mint green Buick <laughs> Buick Skylark. So no seatbelts. I think age kind of badly. Um, Buick as a brand, unfortunately. Yes. I feel like. Uh, yeah, that because it seems like in this movie it was like a luxury car, and I I don't know if Buick is still. No, like, I I'm gonna say hard no. Yeah, no. Um, another thing that kind of aged a little badly, I feel, is um making when they were making fun of Stan's. Not they weren't making fun of him, but Stan's attorney with the stutter. Oh yeah, that did not age well. That's a good point. That's a good one. Yeah, I think that was the only thing I felt a little uncomfortable. I know they were playing it for laughs, and I think that's what made me uncomfortable about it. It's like you can have speech impediments and be a good lawyer, but it wasn't just that he had a speech impediment. He was just straight up incompetent. Yeah. Um, And I thought something that was cute that I think our newer watchers won't kind of identify with is the whole little side story of the judge trying to confirm who he is because he's like oh no jerry callow no it's jerry gallo um that would never yeah you could never happen today yeah no because you could just google someone and boom picture (laughs) it's like yeah that can never happen again but i I, yeah i thought that that was one of those things it didn't age badly just newer watchers would never understand what that was like no it makes sense all righty um I'm going to let you do this one because I, 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 all right. You may disagree with me in here. So I'm going to, I actually will go first. So the Joe Spinell, that guy award. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I forgot one thing that aged the worst, which is go inside. Stan, 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 everything about Stan. Stan is awful. I hated Stan. I hate Stan. He's a terrible character, Um, which leads me to that guy, Mitchell Whitfield. I don't know him from anything but this, but apparently he was on episodes of Friends. Yeah, Stan. So it's funny. I know him as he's Barry. He's Rachel's original fiance that starts the whole freaking show that cheats on Rachel with uh with Mindy. 
Interesting. Okay. Yep. I yeah. I very. <laughs> I was like, okay, who's your that guy? Also, for my that guy, I put Lane Smith as Jim Trotter the third. Okay. So. Uh, because I next I next saw him after I watched the movie when I was younger. The next time I saw him was as um as uh, Perry White on Lois and Lane, Lois and Clark, with Dean Cain. He plays Perry White, and I was like, wait, isn't that the guy from uh from uh from my cousin Vinny? <laughs> so I went the other way around. That's why I didn't go with Lane Smith because I knew him from uh um not. Lois and Clark, the Avengers of Superman, but he's also the coach of the Hawks in the Mighty Ducks. Oh, get the hell out. I don't remember him there. That's how I first saw him back in like the early 90s. Dude, that's well done, sir. I did not know he was in Mighty Ducks. Yeah, that's the only he was literally like would have been my choice if it wasn't for the Mighty Ducks. And and, because I would have probably thrown it as a tie with that and Lois and Clark. But yeah, once the Mighty Ducks is absolutely where I know him from. Okay, great. Sixth Man of the Film Award. I went a little different here because I I wanted to give some love to someone that is not is in the movie a decent amount, but not that much. I went with Fred Gwynn because he is hilarious as the Dude, judge. That's my sixth man. Yes. Too. Judge Chamberlain Holler. And here's the thing, too. Like when I was reading up about like because obviously when we do these lists, we we want to see like the body of work. What did this actor do after before? Where was this in the career? And what I found, too, was that Fred Gwynn was recognized for his comedy in this. Like he got nominated for like a comedy award. Like. So he was like legitimately really, really good here. And as you mentioned earlier, he did pass shortly after the movie came out. But Fred Gwynn is my sixth man, bro. Same yeah, here. Great. Detlef Shrimp would be proud. I just wish Absolutely. during the movie he would have been like, that is better. Just like in Pet. Oh, you haven't seen Pet Cemetery, so you wouldn't know. Yeah, that's like his really iconic quote from Pet Cemetery. Um, all right. Becky O'Shea, MVP of the film. Who is the Icebox? There's only two people. I'm doing Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci. So I didn't split it. I went straight Marissa Tomei. So I went I went Mona Lisa Vito, the actress. I think Marissa Tomei's performance was amazing. Um, but also, Mona Lisa Vito is the only reason that that kid is not in jail. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, did you even think about Pesci? Um, so here's the thing, like he, he's again, I love this performance of his as well. It's super strong. I just don't like the combo MVPs. Um, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think like if in, in the world of my cousin Vinny, if we were in there, I'm like, he did an oh, he did a really good job as an attorney. But I'm like, but it really came down to Mona Lisa's like her her research work, her pictures. I'm like, it really came down to her. Um, but just just out of stubbornness to not split it, I just went Mona Lisa. But Pesci, right. should, yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's like the co or like the one B. <laughs> All right, so I'll start with you here. What is your peak? Okay, so I definitely went very different here, <laughs> and I struggled with who should I put in here, but I landed on this character never reached this level of popularity ever again in the history of the world. And I'm sure that after this movie aired, it was super popular. But the 1964 Metallic nope. Mick Green, Listen, Hewitt Skylark. I, you, my friend, me, that's why we're close friends because I went, I have a few ones here. So I went Buick as a luxury car. <laughs> I also went um, six-week law accelerated law degrees. Yes. I also went with the peak for the Brooklyn Academy of Law. 
yeah. Um, they got so many enrollments and they don't even exist. <laughs> and um, on a more serious note, I guess Fred Gwynn, because this was his last, yeah. his last performance. So Valley, all right. This I is this is this is like I would say Marissa Tomei. Like I think like if I really want to think about this in terms of the body of work. But if it wasn't if it wasn't for the next uh, the next uh, was it the wrestler or the the fighter? No, she was also in the in the paper. I, hold on, I'm gonna bring her up because she did obviously Spider Man. <laughs> she no, because she gets another Academy Award. Yeah, she got this. she got nominated for for the wrestler. Yeah, so it's like so if that wasn't there, if the wrestler wasn't there. Or in the bedroom, I think. In the so she got nominated for one for cousin Vinny. She w- was nominated for in the bedroom. She was nominated for the wrestler, and she's Aunt May. I she's mean, Aunt May. or was, R.I.P. To oh, Aunt May. No, um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> the only other person that really came to mind was Ralph Macchio, cousin Cobra Kai, but he really did nothing in between except like True. he played character actors in a lot of shows. But um, yeah, I went character actors. I went, I went with the sheriff, Dean Farley, uh, Bruce McGill, because I ended up like he's ended up doing other stuff with uh, with Michael Mann. Like he's in the Insider, he's in Collateral, and I know him a little bit more from those things than I knew him from here. But it, uh, yeah, I think you can't go wrong with Machio as far as a valley. Because again, if it wasn't for Cobra Kai, he would this, be the peak. I think he would be my peak. Yeah, this this would show you. This is like literally why we made the award. Like after Karate Kid, Machio's career, because I think this was an attempt for him to co-lead with Pesci, and it's like most people would probably want to watch it for Machio, but he was completely outshined, um, and his name didn't carry any more power after this. No, I think the problem. I think the thing with Machio is like, <sighs> he's not even the best part of his own show. I don't. He's never like. I love the Karate Kid. We dry drafted a few weeks ago. Um, shout out to our tie, first one in draft history. So shout out to Leo <laughs> yeah. for that. Um, but I ne- I don't think he's the best part of Cobra Kai. I think Zapka is. I yeah. didn't think he was the best part of the Karate Kid. I think Zapka is. So it's like I think he's pretty much the essential character actor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, and then Pesci. I mean, Pesci did Home Alone two. He did Casino. He did a whole bunch of movies, and of course, he just did The Irishman two years ago. So yeah, no way. Um, and yeah, let's go. Get... Oh, wait, wait, oh. wait. So there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> wait, I didn't cry. Did you cry? So, uh, I cried, but not cry, not tears of sadness. The the first time I ever saw the scene of Utes, I freaking cried laughing, bro. There is uh, a there is a fun fact about that. So go talk about the Utes and I'll start with the fun facts with that one. So go ahead. No, no. So as we were making the awards, I'm like, we never, we never look into crying. I'm like, honestly, if I'm being honest, I did cheer up. I cried of laughter when I did when I went up when I watched the Ute scene. So I'm gonna give the there's no crying in baseball award to the Ute scene. <laughs> Good one. Which that goes into some of the fun facts that I have for the movie. The misunderstanding between Vincent Gambini and Judge Haller regarding the two Utes was, in fact, a real conversation between Joe Pesci and director Jonathan Lynn. Oh, that's so good. Lynn, who is British, at first had a hard time understanding Pesci's pronounced New York accent. He decided that that routine was quite funny and put it in the film. That's so good. Yeah, that's really good stuff. Um, this is actually the American Bar Association ranked this the number three film on the 25 greatest legal movies. Yeah, Which, I, I saw I saw that they like they it's like more 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 prestige or more renowned in in that setting than like a few good men. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's not 
ironic that this is number three because director Jonathan Lynn actually has a law degree and insisted that the film's legal proceedings be realistic. In fact, many attorneys and law professors have praised the film from its accurate depiction of trial strategy and courtroom procedure, especially with regards to presenting expert witness in a, in a trial. In fact, the film has been screened at some law schools to illustrate the importance of courtroom procedures. Dope. Yeah, that, Dope. I, I, I thought, love that. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, I call this bullshit, my friend. According to Jonathan Lynn, the eastern screech owl in the scene in the woods was a real owl that had a little prior training so it wouldn't be scared away by gunfire. <laughs> so that owl sound is real. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Wait, hold on. What's this owl called? The western? Oh, the owl is called, hold on one second. Let me just, eastern screech owl. I gotta look this up after this episode. Yeah, I was like, okay, sure, why not? Um, let me see what else I have here. Oh, despite the characters clashing in the film, Joe Pesci and Fred Gwynn were actually good friends in real life until Gwynn's passing in 1993. Oh, wow. Uh, Joe Pesci was 49, while Marissa Tomei was 27 when the film was released. That was a little, a little creepy at times. I'm not gonna lie. Like in the cabin scenes, I'm like, oh, this feels off. <laughs> this is a cool Joe Pesci uh, fun fact. Joe Pesci won the Oscar for Goodfellas while making the film, and he actually brought the award on the set to show the oh, cast and crew. That's so dope. Yeah, this is that was pretty cool. Um, near the end of the film, as Vinny uh, Vinny leaves, Fred Gwynn can be seen giving the exact same wave that he did as Herman Munster. In the monsters. Aww. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, in 2002, Marissa Tomei temporarily lost the Oscar she won for the film when she moved to a new house. Oh, she <laughs> physically lost the award. Yeah. Okay. I'm, like, I'm like, did they take it away? Why? I'm like, oh, no. She just lost the actual. What do you say to that? Like, damn, if you have an Oscar and like you lost it, that's crazy. Uh, Height-wise, you know Joe Pesci's a short guy. Joe Pesci's 5'4". Yeah. Fred Gwynn is 6'5". Damn. Yeah, so that's why I, I like those uh, um, those scenes with them together because of size disparity. Uh, Joe Pesci reprised his character in 1998 for an album Vincent LaGuardia Gambini sings just for you. <laughs> so I saw that. Have you ever heard this? Stuff? No, but I think I need to. Is it? Have you heard it? <laughs> no, I haven't. But I'm like, I was reading through like I think like, like I think either Wikipedia, and it's like, wait, what? At first, I thought I was reading something like there's a sequel coming out. But I'm like, wait, no, this is a song? <laughs> I love casting what ifs. Uh, shout out to the rewatchables because they use this category. But uh, we use it here in the fun facts. Lorraine Bracco was the first choice to play Mona Lisa Vito. It would not have worked, I think. No. Yeah, she declined the role. I don't think. I like Lorraine Bracco, but she does not have the comedic chops that Marisha Tomei does. Yeah, I got to agree with you. Uh, Christopher Lloyd was considered for the role of the judge. Oh, for the dumb. I think it's too much. Yeah, I think he would be because I think what what I really like about Gwen in this movie is that he never loses his straight guy. Never, I agree. He just happens to be really, really funny. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I think Christopher Lloyd, like you said, would have probably been too much. I think. Yeah, because I think because I think the, when you watch Gwen's performance, like you're expecting him to be the straight guy, right? You're expecting him to be like super serious, not understand the comedy part of it. But so you're that's what makes the comedy work is that it's not two high class comedians going back and forth. It's not freaking Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Right. You're expecting them to say ridiculous stuff and laugh. 
But like this is like that solid wall of 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 of, of response to it. I think Christopher Lloyd would have been too too much of a comedian, mm-hmm. and the, it just I don't think it would have hit the same. Agreed. Uh, some more casting would have Danny DeVito and John Lovitz were considered for the role of Vincent Gambini. Davida, no, I think they went to perfect. Yeah, that yep. had to be it had to be Pesci. <laughs> Debbie Mazer was also considered to play Mona Lisa. Oh shoot! I don't, I don't, I don't think so. What was Mazer doing back then? Being an extra in Goodfellas, she uh, wasn't. That's all I remember her from that that era. Yeah, no. So I don't know how this would have. Maybe it would have worked. So there was a very huge megastar that auditioned for Stan Rothstein. Take Wait. A, so during the is Ralph Macchio's age. You wouldn't. You're never take one guess, but I do not think you're gonna guess this because I was shocked when I found this out. I mean, the only thing I could think of was like, um, freaking one of like the. Oh my gosh! What were the, the two? The Corys. One of the Corys. Will Smith. What? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I was like, huh? I was like, interesting. I'll be honest, that would have thrown a bunch of like a, a different little dynamic into them getting stopped by the police and getting hassled on the freeway. And then uh, last two. So this was actually Joe Pesci's first box office hit as a lead because he was supporting in uh, Home Alone. Nice. And the last one, uh, despite Joe Pesci being first billed and Marissa Tomei winning an Oscar for the role, they don't appear for over 10 minutes into the film. They are, however, the only two characters in the film's final shot. And yeah, that is it. This was a very, very fun episode. I just like kicking back and just talking about this movie with you. Um, next week, we are going to Gotham City. Or multiple Gotham Cities. <laughs> yeah, but you're not wrong. We are going to do... Going to try... Hopefully, there's not a lot of news to break down. Uh, we're going to skip what we watch unless something big breaks. We're just going to talk about the Batman. We're going to dive into the film as best as we can. We are going to talk spoilers. We are going to talk about our favorite things within the movie. Then we're going to do something a little bit fun. Obviously, we're going to have to rank all our Batman movies, which is Obviously. about 13, including the DCEU. Su- you know, the Suicide Squad does count, so you can immediately just put oh, that in. Oh, yeah. You could, right, Im- you could just immediately just put it in last place and move on. Like This and is before- so simple. I know he's not on the episode. No, Ryan. Animated movies do not count. Only one does. Only one, because Be- it was in the theater. Because it was in the theater, yes. And watch Ryan come back with the killing joke, because, but that doesn't count either, because it was a Fathom release. But we are going to do that. We're going to break down and rank all our Batman films. But I think the fun part, and to end the, the podcast, is we're going to actually break down our favorite performances by all the Batman, not in a Batman movie. I love that. It's this- a concept we've never done before. I love it. I'm I'm done, by the way. Uh, with that, that was actually one of the easiest ones I think to for me. I don't know if I don't know how you feel. Uh, I mean, I haven't really looked at it yet. I can imagine. I imagine there's pretty clear cut answers to most of this stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Keaton, Keaton's yeah. got a pretty easy one. Yeah, Keaton's an easy one. Kilmer, uh, Kilmer's super easy for a, a an obsessed fanatic like me. If you can guess, uh, <laughs> you, you you can guess where I'm going there. <laughs> I, the minute I found out we could, we had to find their performances in other films, I'm like, well, I know where Dave's going on this one. Does it? Does it? Is it the opposite of cold? <laughs> um, Someone's got a great ass. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, Clooney's easy uh, if you n- have seen some of his 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 
his uh, mid two thousands were. I think that yeah. that could be easy. Arpat, I think it'll be tougher. Ryan. Yeah, because I, I, I will I'll be honest. I think my 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 list of movies that I've seen of his isn't. I mean, yeah, I want you to say the lighthouse. I I might. To be I, honest, it's either going to be the lighthouse or freaking Harry Potter. So one of those <laughs> is getting put on this list. And Christian Bale, <laughs> Christian Bale, super easy. You can find whatever. There's so many Christian Bale performances. So yeah, Bale, and, and Ben like, Affleck like, too. Yeah. And Ben Affleck. All right, cool. So that wraps it up. Leo, thank you so much as always for joining us. Until then, oh. until next week. See you at the movies, kids. Thank you.